Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. Well, good morning, everyone. You can have a seat. So good to be with you. Great to just, uh, as Dave mentioned, just to hear your singing and your clapping. Uh, if we haven't met, my name is Michael. I'm one of the leaders, one of the pastors here. And this morning, uh, we're really excited to just begin a new series on the Holy Spirit. Are we excited for that? No, nothing? Oh, nice. It's exciting, right, to go through the Holy Spirit? It's a series on the Holy Spirit. And, you know, whenever we do a, a series on the Holy Spirit, it's really not an easy thing to do or to talk about, not only because there's so much just to cover, but because there's so much confusion, confusion for all of us around who the Holy Spirit is and how he works in our lives. And not only that, but it's one of the most con controversial topics in Christianity as we think about the Holy Spirit. And one of the challenges, I think, for each of us, as we seek to learn and to go deeper in our understanding of the Holy Spirit, is that many of us come as well with our own misconceptions already because of past experiences or because of how the idea of the Holy Spirit maybe was first introduced to us. How were you introduced to the idea of the Holy Spirit? Whether maybe you grew up going to church or you learned about God or not, maybe you have a story or an experience that comes to mind of, of something or someone who in introduced you to this idea of the Holy Spirit. For me, growing up, the idea of the Holy Spirit was probably one of the most confusing things for me as I thought about Christianity or trying to make sense of my faith. And I, I grew up in a, a small church in Montreal, and uh, it was really kind of a hodgepodge almost of different beliefs and opinions around the Holy Spirit. And so I just remember people just having very diverse opinions or experiences of this idea of the Holy Spirit. And one of the earliest ways that the Holy Spirit was introduced to me was when my dad brought home a tape. I don't know if you remember those tapes that are on little tape recorders with the buttons. I think I have a, an image of that. Uh, but he came home with one of those, kind of looked like that, maybe even older. I just remember as a kid, he came home with this one day, and my dad, uh, he, for, for much of his life, was a professor at McGill. And for part of what he did is he would go actually up, to, up north to communities in Quebec, small communities, and help them in different ways, helping with their education system and things like that. And I remember one day, he brought home this tape that he was excited to play for us, that came from a small church community that a friend had given him. And he played it for us, and I remember listening to this tape, and uh, the tape started playing, it was just like a few minutes long, but at first, there was, it was in this, this, this worship service, and there was this singing, so I remember this singing, people are playing quietly, there's a band playing, and then all of a sudden, there's this sound, like there's a storm in the building like this super loud noise, like there's this huge storm happening, and then uh, like that goes on for a little while, and there's all kinds of yelling. All these people are just yelling things I didn't understand, and then the tape ends. And my dad said, that was the Holy Spirit. 
And I remember thinking that was the weirdest and most confusing thing I've ever heard up to that point in my life. Um, and you know, so much for me as I think of that experience, you know, I remember even just hearing that and, and being reminded like, or, or thinking about how weird and confusing that was. And I remember just having, even having a lot of questions. Like, why did that happen in that way? Or why only to those people? Or why doesn't stuff like that happen here? And what kind of led up to that moment? And I remember I had all these questions, but in the time, I didn't ask any of them. Uh, another experience I just think of when I think of the Holy Spirit growing up in church was even just of a, a lady, an older lady who sat at the back of the church who I remember people saying she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I remember thinking and looking at her and going, well, I don't want that then, if that's what that looks like. There's nothing wrong with her. She was a nice lady. But if that's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, why is that for me or why does that matter? And I just remember the Holy Spirit in so many of my experiences sounded like this weird kind of magical thing that maybe was only for a select number of people, but that wasn't for me or for the rest of us. Maybe you've had a similar experience or maybe your experience in the way that you were introduced to the Holy Spirit was much different, whether it, again, from, was from a church experience growing up or hearing a story or maybe even watching something on TV. But for most of us, we don't approach the topic of the Holy Spirit with, with just a totally blank slate because our ideas have already been shaped by some sort of experience. And as we begin this series together, it's important to do our best to not let those experiences really come a barrier for us to go deeper. Because when we carry misconceptions or confusion around the Holy Spirit, it can make us easy to just ignore the Holy Spirit altogether and not to do the work of learning or going deeper together. And so as we go through this, we're going to take a deeper look at the, the Holy Spirit by exploring how he's introduced and revealed to us in the Bible. And we're going to just try to correct some of those misconceptions we all have as we seek to grow in learning and understanding how he works in us. And if you're looking for something to read, just as we begin this series, maybe you want to have a resource to kind of go deeper or this is new to you and you're not sure where to begin, uh, I wanted to just recommend uh, this book to you have on the screen. It's called Welcome Holy Spirit. And it's written by this guy called Gordon Smith. He's a brilliant thinker, and he's actually the president of a school at West called Ambrose University. And uh, this school is one of is kind of the one of the main schools within our Alliance family, or our our, uh, our church family that we're a part of. And so, if you just want a resource, you can find it on Amazon. That's a kind of a great way to begin as we go through this series. And so as we begin even just together this morning, I want to just start by asking you this question. What image comes to mind when you think of the Holy Spirit? Just take a second to think about it. When you think of the word or the idea of the Holy Spirit, what, what image comes to mind? What pops into your head? Maybe you imagine kind of like this kind of vague sort of wispy thing that looks like the clouds on a nice summer day. Maybe you have this idea that comes from like the show Stranger Things or something, kind of this weird thing. Or maybe you think of like a, a show on The Simpsons, the Simpsons or, or an episode on The Simpsons that talks about the Holy Spirit. Maybe for you what actually came to mind is one of the images that the Bible uses to talk about the Holy Spirit. It can be really helpful, but I think for many of us, maybe as we think about the images that the Bible uses, part of our confusion around the Holy Spirit, aside from kind of our own mixed up ideas or images, is that even the Bible has a lot of different images for the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to put up uh, on the screen some of those images. Maybe some of these came to mind for you as you did that exercise. 
but as you kind of look at this list, you know, these are such important images that we use for the Holy Spirit or that the Bible uses. One is of wind or breath that are often used together. Uh, really, really important image in the Bible. Another is of a dove. We have fire. That one kind of sounds kind of scary. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit next week. I'll say that for Pastor Dom. Uh, or there's also the image of water. And the reason, as we think about it, the reason why there's so many images for the Holy Spirit isn't just to kind of try to confuse us or keep us on our toes, but it's because all of these writers or all of these images are ways of trying to help us make sense of something that's a mystery. At its core, it's trying to get at something that we can never fully grasp because it's a mystery. It's not meant for us to be able to fully comprehend. That the heart of this mystery that's too big is that the Holy Spirit is a person who's part of the Trinity. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And not only that, but that he's also the personal presence of God in our lives. The Holy Spirit's God's personal presence that's made real to us in different ways. And this is why the, whole, the, the writers of the Bible have all of these Im- different images to kind of help us get at the different ways that the Holy Spirit comes to us and fills us and works in our lives. And again, we'll likely uh, touch on some of those images in the coming weeks. But just kind of over the next few minutes, if you can kind of stay with me and go deeper for a second, we're just going to look at or focus on the image of water. This image is a theme that really runs throughout the Bible, right from the beginning of the story to the end. And in fact, right at the beginning of the Bible, in the creation story in Genesis, we see how the Holy Spirit is present right away in connection to this image of water. Here are kind of the opening words, the first couple verses of your Bible in the book of Genesis. Here's what it says. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. This verse or this imagery is really teaching us that the Holy Spirit is the one who was there at the very beginning. And not only that, but he's the one who's creating and bringing new life out of the waters. What this image is getting at is such an important characteristic, maybe to start with, about the Holy Spirit, which is that he's always the one who's creating and bringing new life and restoring. Just as water, as you think about the image of water, is always giving life to plants and animals and wildlife and even to us as human beings. And uh, throughout the rest of the Bible, the writers will continue to use this image of the Holy Spirit in connection to water to remind us of this, to remind us that he's still and always the one who's creating and bringing new life and filling us in that way and restoring. And that he, again, was the one who's there at the beginning and who will be there even at the end of the story in Revelation. And you know, as we think about this image of water, it's not only helpful for us to think about who the Holy Spirit is, but it's also kind of used in the Bible as a way to get at something we all experience in a world that's absent of God's presence. That as a result, maybe of our turning away from God and cutting ourselves off from this source of life, the one who gives life, that we're left feeling this experience of feeling dry and empty. Along with this image of water for the Holy Spirit, the Bible uses all kinds of language especially in the Old Testament, to capture this reality of our thirst and of our longing for something more. And it does this by using these images of dryness, of a dry desert, or of dry bones, and just that experience of kind of feeling parched or thirsty. 
Today in our culture, uh, there's so many kind of articles or studies I could have put up that, that talk about this idea that we know that while more and more people are not interested or have no experience with religion, at the same time, more and more people are turning to, and to exploring different kinds and different forms of spirituality out of this shared longing and reality for something more. And when we look at the scriptures, because of this kind of universal longing and thirst that the people of Israel particularly experience in the absence of God's presence, many of these biblical writings will use this image of water as they wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. This is, uh, I just want to give you one example before we move on, but this comes from the prophet Isaiah, and this is what he says, uh, God, these kind of God's words of what he will one day do. This is what it says. It says, For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. So the prophets longed for and anticipated the day when God's presence would come and would be poured out and fill his people in a way that would quench their deepest thirsts and their deepest longings that they feel inside for him. Maybe for you, just as we, we kind of enter in as you think about the image of the Holy Spirit as water, a good first step is to just take a moment and to consider your longing for something deeper and for something more. Maybe you've forgotten or you've been disconnected and you need to be reminded to consider that that longing and that that thirst you have can only be quenched by the Holy Spirit. Maybe that's something new for you, even to consider for the first time as you think about all the different spiritual options and all the different ways that we can go and try to fulfill that longing, that maybe it's the kind of longing that can only be filled by the Holy Spirit. Now, as we kind of move from this image of water in the Old Testament, and we now look at the New Testament, there's this moment right at the beginning of Acts where Jesus will now set the scene for God's promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit. And what Jesus is going to explain to his disciples is that the mystery of the Holy Spirit is now going to be poured out in a way that's, not going, to, that's going to become visible not only to the descendants of Israel, but to all of the nations. And uh, as we look at the book of Acts, if you've never heard of it before, it's really the, it's a book that the writer Luke wrote as part two or as a continuation of the gospel of Luke. To think about that way, almost as two parts that are meant to be kept together. And it continues the story of how Jesus' ministry, his life, death, and resurrection was empowered by the Holy Spirit, and how now that's going to continue through his disciples as they learn to be the church. And so right at the beginning of Acts, when Jesus is with his disciples after the resurrection and before he ascends to heaven, here's what he says to them. I'll have it up on the screen. It says, On one occasion, while he, meaning Jesus, was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is telling the disciples that before they go anywhere, before they can do anything else, they must stay and wait for this gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not the kind of person who really anticipates or really looks forward to receiving gifts. And maybe that's just me. I'm just not much of a gift kind of guy. And I think part of the reason is I don't really care much about surprises. I don't really like surprises. And uh, when I think of gifts, I'm usually just the worst person to give gifts to because I always evaluate them based on what I already have or what I already have asked for or think that I need. 
And so yeah, obviously it drives kind of my wife Jasmine crazy. I feel bad for her every time there's a special occasion because she's actually uh, an amazing gift giver and she loves to give gifts. But if it's something that I haven't already picked for myself or I've already thought of, I, for me it's easy to just ignore or not care about that gift. Am I the only one? Are you all shaming me right now? This is bad? Everyone's like, ah, it's just you. We don't relate to that at all. You know, as I think about that, I wonder for the disciples in this moment what they're thinking as they're told to wait for this gift. You know, if they're anything like me, maybe they're thinking, why is this a gift at this point that we have to wait for? Like, we've already been walking with Jesus now for three years. We've listened to really all his teachings. We have uh, witnessed even at this point his death and his resurrection. And not only that, but we all, for each of us as his disciples, have had so many personal moments of just experiencing his love and his grace for each of us in our lives. You know, they must be thinking they already have everything they could need. So why wait for this gift now? But Jesus tells them that they have to wait for this gift because it's the kind of gift that can't be ignored. It's the kind of gift as well that shapes them in a way that they learn to stop relying on themselves. We live in a world that really teaches us to be self-reliant as much as possible, to rely on ourselves and the things that we've already been given or we've gotten for ourselves that makes it easy for us to ignore the Holy Spirit or to learn to depend on him. Because we already have access to so many things, whether it's just looking something up on Google or our education or our skills or just tools or formulas to learn to be successful or to get things done or to find what we're looking for, and it's not that any of these things are bad or that we shouldn't take advantage of these things in our lives, you know, whether it's uh, parenting tips or whatever it is, that we shouldn't, it's not that we shouldn't take advantage, but because we've been so shaped by this lie that we don't need to rely on anything but ourselves and by what we've kind of earned for ourselves or we've already have, we don't learn to rely on the Holy Spirit. Are you someone, as you think about that, who's learning more and more to rely on the Holy Spirit? as you think about just different areas of your life, are you learning to rely on God first? Or are you learning more to rely more and more on yourself and the things that you already have? It's easy for each of us to miss how the Holy Spirit is at work and how he wants to work in and through us when we aren't learning to rely and depend on him more and more. And because these disciples at this moment really haven't learned to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit, we see that they actually lose perspective and almost missed what Jesus says God is going to do next. Here's what it says. That while uh, kind of Jesus, this comes right after Jesus has given them the instructions to wait, this is what they say to him. It says, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? See, they, because the disciples haven't learned yet to rely on the Spirit, they actually miss how God is working out his plan and how he wants to do it in the timing that he wants to do, which is to fill them with his gift and to work in order to work in and through them in order to bring restoration and to see his kingdom spread. And so Jesus is going to correct them by sharing about the real purpose of the Holy Spirit. And what he tells them next is going to really set the stage for the rest of their ministry, for the rest of the book of Acts. And here's what he says. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria 
and to the ends of the earth. This is one of the most important verses in all the Bible. And if you remember really anything about the Holy Spirit this morning as you think of this, it's to remember this, that the work of the Holy Spirit is always connected to being a witness. Always. The Holy Spirit actually, in fact, his primary role above, over and above anything else is to witness to Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? In fact, this is so true of who the Holy Spirit is that before, as we think of our own lives, before we ever do anything or before we even begin to have a grasp of how God is at work in our lives, the Holy Spirit is already working by witnessing and pointing us to Jesus and drawing us to the love of the Father. And this is true even as we think about before we even begin to share of this love with our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, that the Holy Spirit is already there working in their lives by witnessing and by pointing them to Jesus and drawing them to him. It's one of the most amazing things about the Holy Spirit works, how, how he works in this world. But here's something else about the Holy Spirit that Jesus doesn't want us to miss that we so often miss when we think about this verse or when we forget about this verse. It's that because the Holy Spirit's primary role is to witness, he always fills us in a way that shapes us as witnesses. Always. One of the, the kind of the key signs or the key sign that you have been filled with the Holy Spirit is when you begin to see and to respond to how he's shaping you to share with Jesus with those around you. The other day, I was sitting uh, with my youngest daughter, I have three daughters, sitting with my youngest daughter, Rosie, who's five, almost six, next week. And uh, we were just sitting together, I think on the couch or something, and uh, she's just sitting quietly, and I turned over to her and I said, Rosie, I have a secret for you. So she got really excited, and she was like really anticipating what I was going to say, I thought it was going to be something juicy or something good. And I turned to her and I said, I love you. And she... <laughs> Right away, she just looked at me like she was so disappointed. <laughs> like, that was the worst thing I could have said. She, like, rolls her eyes, and this look of disgust, she looks at me and goes, that's not a secret. If it was a secret, you couldn't tell anybody that. And, you know, I kind of realized from this conversation, as she's working out what a secret means, she's kind of teaching me at that moment, that really, um, that as we think of this idea of a secret, that she's kind of getting at this, this thing that we so often confuse in ourselves, that it's easy to confuse something that's a secret, that's meant to stay hidden, versus something that's very personal, but that's meant to be shared. There's a difference, again, between something that's secret, that's very personal, versus some, or sorry, something that's secret, that only a few know that's meant to stay hidden, versus something that's very, very personal, but that is meant to be shared with others. And somehow we do this with the Holy Spirit all the time. That because of our own experience of the Holy Spirit and how he works in our lives in a way that is very personal, and we miss how it's then meant to shape us in a way that we share the good news of Jesus with others. Now, in saying that, I do want to recognize, you know, we, don't, we do need to recognize there are parts and aspects for all of us of our experience or the ways that God has worked in our lives that aren't only really personal, but that can be private as well. That he kind of meets us in a private way in the ways that he's maybe healed us, uh, that aren't necessarily appropriate to share with others, at least in certain contexts. But that doesn't mean that there should be a disconnect between our experience of the Holy Spirit and our witness to other people. 
One of the most dangerous views of spirituality that's often confused with the Holy Spirit is the one that moves us away from others. It's this distorted view of the Holy Spirit that results in isolation, more and more isolation from friends or family or neighbors or coworkers, or that creates even just narrower circle or friends or groups on social media. And again, I'm not talking about minimizing the need that we have sometimes to withdraw from unhealthy relationships. That's true. Or even just the, the kind of healthy, uh, kind of importance of having a small group of trusted friends that you're close to. Those are important things. But I am talking about a kind of unhealthy spirituality that instead of being present and learning to share God's love with, the, with those he's calling us to draw near to, we instead move away out of distrust or fear or judgment of others. Or in a similar way, we can even develop this kind of unhealthy spirituality that doesn't necessarily mean that we withdraw from others, but that we witness a way that actually pushes others away from us. Have you ever experienced that before? When we separate or disconnect the Holy Spirit from what it looks like to witness to Jesus, we also confuse what Jesus means when he says that the Holy Spirit will give us power, that we'll receive a special kind of power. You know, so often when we think of power in our world, we think of this idea of control or conquering or winning an argument or even the idea of being superior to others. And so many people really confuse this idea of the Holy Spirit with this kind of power. And then we wonder maybe in our witness why we, we or, or they, they wonder why they witness to others in a way that makes more enemies than friends with those who don't know Jesus. Or they even rationalize their actions by saying things like nothing can stand in the way of the Holy Spirit. Right? It just happened because of the power of the Holy Spirit. But the power of the Holy Spirit looks so much different than that. It looks different than the power of our world because the Holy Spirit always witnesses to Jesus, which means he always witnesses to the ways of Jesus in us. It's the kind of power that finds just a special humility in serving others or grace for the mistakes of others when we're around them or a special kind of even patience and trust in God's timing as we learn to wait on him. But here's kind of another thing we need to understand about what it means to hold together the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and how we're then called to witness. It's that the power of the Holy Spirit is entrusted to those who've been changed by the Holy Spirit. That while on one hand, we can't be filled or with, with or touched by the Holy Spirit without that shaping us in a way that we witness to Jesus' love for others. On the other hand, we can't be witnesses of Jesus' love to others unless we've been changed by the Holy Spirit. We can only become witnesses to something that God's Spirit has already done in us first. For some of you, maybe you don't share or haven't learned to share about Jesus in public because you haven't learned to let the Holy Spirit work on you in private. Or for some, maybe you think you can continue to just, you've been in church a long time, and you think you continue to just serve and to talk about Jesus in a way that is a witness to him, while at the same time that you've stopped paying attention to the ways and the things that God's Spirit wants to do in you first to transform different areas of your life. I'm really proud, you know, just some of us uh, here at the 180, a group of us have now uh, are halfway through a course that we're doing called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And I'm just proud of just everyone who's been really open and committed to doing the deep work 
together, of letting the Holy Spirit touch areas of our lives that are often below the surface and that are easy to ignore and that are easy really to remain untouched. And one of the things that we talked about in this past session or that we learned was this principle um, from the video this past week uh, about why it's so important to allow the Holy Spirit to work on us as we learn to witness to others. And this is a, a quote I have up from the video that kind of the, the leader says in this past session. It says, what we don't process before God, we leak. This is such a simple truth for us. That, as we, if, that when we don't let God's Spirit work to change and to transform things in us that otherwise go untouched, they leak. They leak out. And when that happens, it's not the Holy Spirit that's leaking out as we learn to witness, but it's something else. Because we're always witnesses to something for those around us. But to be a witness to the love of Jesus is to learn to surrender and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. As we begin to wrap up, I'm just going to call some of the team uh, back up to play for us. And uh, as you reflect this morning, as you think about what it means to connect, to be reminded of this connection between the gift of the Holy Spirit and what it means to be a witness to the good news of Jesus, I want to ask you, or want you to consider maybe this question. Are you someone who's prone to seeing the Holy Spirit as something that's only for you, while ignoring the call to share and to be a witness of Jesus to others? Or maybe for you, are you more prone to ignoring the changes and the transforming work that he wants to do in you before you really learn to share and witness to others? This week, as I think about that, I want to invite you, as you just go home and as you reflect on this, and as you take some time just to pray to God, Would you just pray to be open to what God wants to do in and through you by the power of the Holy Spirit? To pray just to be open to how God wants to fill you with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to do something new in you. Uh, As we kind of end, I want to end by just looking at this verse before the the band's going to play for us. And it's a verse that the Apostle Paul writes uh, as a prayer to the church in Rome after he reminds them of their call to live as those shaped by the Holy Spirit and as witnesses to their community. And it's this beautiful prayer that I really want to read as a prayer for each of us as we're just gathered here and as we're listening this morning and as we're considering what it means to be open to the Spirit. And so I'm going to invite you to stand. In a moment, I'm going to read this verse and then uh, the band's going to lead us through a song. But maybe it's just been a long time that you've done this or you've never done this before. One of the ways that we worship is to just lift our hands to God. And so I want to invite you to do that if you're comfortable to do that. Just lift your hands. It's one of the just the simplest, if you don't know where to begin to even ask about what it means to trust in the Holy Spirit. It's one of the most simple postures or ways to show that we're just open to the Holy Spirit and to what God, He wants to do in us. So I just want you to, to lift your hands and I want to pray this Read this prayer to us and then we'll sing. This is Paul's prayer for the church in Rome and Paul's prayer to us. As I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope 
through the power of the Holy Spirit. So make it that, let us make it that our prayer as we sing together. Let's sing.
God, we thank you that you are present with us now. And that you desire to fill each of us in new ways to bring restoration to our areas of our lives that have been untouched. To fill us with your peace and your joy and your hope. That we would experience that to overflow. God, help us to be those who learn to trust in you and to rely on your spirit. As we think of just people in our lives and relationships and those who don't know you, would you even fill us in a way that you move in and through us, that others would know the hope that's only found in you, Jesus. God, we all come with just confusion and questions about who the Holy Spirit is and how he works in our lives. But will we not let that mystery keep us from just being open to the new things that you want to do, to the ways that you want to fill us and to the ways that you want to work in us? Thank you as well, Holy Spirit, that you go before us as we leave today, that you go before us to witness to the ways of Jesus. Would you help us as we go to trust and to step in and to surrender to that? Be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks everyone. So good to be with you. Just a reminder, if you don't, you don't rush off, we do have a prayer space in the back as well as just a prayer team. We'd love to just take the time uh, to pray with you. Um, otherwise, we'll see some of you Tuesday and see you next week. Good to be with you. Have a good week.